Blog Talk Radio. trouble here with uh I think we're live man. Hey, I'm here with Adam. Bear up man, what's going on Adam? What's going on, Craig? Not much brother Not much. man. Um so what are you doing? You working today? I got you out in your lunch break. Uh, <laughs> no, I actually I, I took the day off actually. Um okay, cool. I could uh things in town and uh and have this interview with you so dude man like a new version of yourself i mean you reinvented yourself uh things have just been like crazy in your life i mean how long have you been sober right now i mean you're doing really well um it'll be uh six months um clean and sober on march 18th that's awesome man um Tell me, like, what got you to the point where you um, you needed to uh, to kind of get your life together? Was it kind of getting out of control? I mean, what what was the really, I guess, the straw that broke the camel's back, so to speak? Um, honestly, I've, I'm from Vermont, and I grew up up there, and they didn't really have any uh, any drugs or anything. I mean, there was the the regular stuff, but I moved down to Florida with my ex because she was from here with my daughter. And, uh, you know, she she got around her old friends and started getting into some bad stuff. And, you know, I kind of was just weak. And uh, I kind of just uh, went with it and, uh, and started doing the job she was doing. And, uh, you know, it got it got pretty bad. She started uh, she started getting into some bad stuff, and uh, I wasn't okay with it. Um, you know, I caught her. I caught her cheating on me quite a few times. And, uh, you know, I just got to the point where I actually I lost my daughter in July um, we got evicted out of our apartment in August and then I went homeless in uh, Sarasota for a couple months and uh, then pretty much went to the Salvation Army and uh, and uh, a guy walked up to me and asked me if I wanted a job I was probably five days clean at that point and uh, I took off from there I started doing tree work in, uh, in September left my ex and uh you know, I'm finishing up all my classes now, and I'm getting ready to get my daughter back in the next few months. Got my license a couple days ago. Um, you know, I wanted to get back into arm wrestling. Wanted to, you know, just get my life back. I just, I felt I, I had myself falling off the wagon for a little bit, and uh, wanted to come back. You know, was there like a drug of choice that you were using and getting yourself addicted to, or was it just a whole bunch of different things? 
Um, it, it was a, always a little bit of marijuana, but um, it started off with, with pills when I moved down here, and then it led straight into methamphetamines. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, they're, they're, they're easy to get hooked on. And uh, for me, it was actually pretty easy to get off them once I left my ex, and I, I didn't really have anywhere to turn. It was, uh, it was really easy for me to come off them. Now I don't even think about it. So how long were you using for? Um, probably, uh, I moved down here, uh, March 22nd will be two years. So I, I started using in probably, you know, four or five months after I moved down here. So I probably used for a year, 13, 14 months total, the hard stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, I always drank a little bit and always, always smoked a little bit, but uh, now I, I don't touch anything. Now, before you moved to Florida, you were just basically smoking some bud and then just, like, having a few drinks. Nothing was out of control. You weren't, like, you know, doing things to make yourself homeless. No, not at all. I mean, I've, I've always had a full-time job. I was running heavy equipment and doing excavation work, concrete. I'd have some beers with the boys after work and, you know, smoke a little bit. But it was never until I, I moved to Sarasota, Florida that I, you know, that I even knew that these drugs were even, even on the streets. Yeah, it's so crazy because that's the sort of the same thing for me. Like, you know, I grew up in a small town in Canada, and uh, when I moved to Florida, I um, that's exactly what I started doing, like pills, and then I got hooked on meth for like 10 years, though. It took me like 10 years to freaking, you know, like that my rock bottoms, I kept hitting a little deeper thinking, oh, it's not as bad as I was, and then I could clean myself up pretty quick, but... It's kind of really crazy when you come to a place where you're not used to and then you do addictive drugs and then people, like, you can see how, like, crazy your life can really spiral out of control. But, you know, you got a really unique story because usually people that mess around with, you know, amphetamines, methamphetamine, whatever, you know, it's really hard to kick that habit right away. And you kind of had a short little love affair with it. Sounds like mainly because of the people you were associated with. That being said, now do you um, do you have a program that you kind of do, or things that you do to keep yourself kind of not going down that road? You, you talk about your daughter, you're getting her back. I mean, all those things must be a really huge motivation. Uh, yeah. Um, <clears throat> when I first got clean, I, I I went to the Salvation Army because I was homeless for a while, and I was homeless during uh, Hurricane Irma out here, and it hit pretty hard in Sarasota. And uh, I just, I looked around me, and I, I thought, you know, uh, what the hell am I doing? You know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a kid from a from small town Vermont with 5,000 people, grew up on a farm, worked my whole life, and I come down here, you know, get hooked on drugs, and uh, my ex leaves me, she's, she's having sex with guys for money, and uh, I lose my daughter, both my vehicles, um, my apartment, and... Uh, you know, it was just, it was time for a change. So when I went to the Salvation Army, I, I checked in, and uh, within within 30 minutes to 45 minutes, this guy pulls up. My buddy Josh, he's my brother. Um, now he's probably my best friend. Um, he walked up to me, and he's like, you know, the, the ladies inside said you might be looking for work. And I said, hell yeah, like, what are we doing? Where are we going? He's like, uh, we're going to Tampa Bay. You need anything? And he, he bought me, you know, a bunch of food and... He bought me uh, some cigarettes, and uh, we went up to Tampa Bay and moved uh, a couple into their house. 
And uh, from there, he's like, you want a job doing tree work? And I'm like, hell yeah. <laughs> and uh, I just, I, I never looked back, and I've, I got him and, and my other buddy that I work with as like a support team, I guess you could say. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, would, I would hang out with them pretty much every day for the first like four months lately. They both got girlfriends now, and, you know, times change. But uh, he'll be uh, two years clean and sober um, on... Uh, on the 15th of this month, my other buddy Colt just uh, turned a year clean and sober uh, on the 1st yesterday or the day before, whenever it was, and then uh, I'll be six months clean um, on the 18th, so we're all we're all hitting big marks in March. Um, I was going to uh, NA and AA classes on my own for the first, you know, 100 days. I hit, like, probably 80 meetings. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, no one, no one told me I had to. And then, uh, then yeah, I, they have they have like a little philosophy there: ninety meetings in ninety days. Yeah, and uh, and a lot of the people they say like the program works if you work it, but I I don't have a sponsor. I don't I don't work steps. I work my own steps. My steps were get a job, you know, maintain sobriety and being clean, be happy, smile again. You know, um, the funny thing is, you got a great point. I'm here, you know, a great point about recovery because you know I, I was in AA um, for three years and I um, I did you know everything by the book. Um, I did like 300 meetings in my first 90 days. I just was really freaking petrified. I was doing five, six meetings a day. I wasn't working because I wasn't able to work. I just didn't feel like I was going to be able to do it. You know what I mean? And. Uh, so I really just worked the program like they say, right? But after a while, like, I got to this point, and, like, people that are listening that go to AA or NA are probably thinking, oh, these guys are going to relapse because they're not doing blah, 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 whatever. But the thing is, is it's what you have to learn and find that works for you. And going to meetings all the time for me and, and being really induced in the programming, I got a job working at a detox for a year. I was working at a CSU, which is a crisis stabilization where dual diagnosed people were. You know, I really, really just, I really wanted to get sober. And once I learned that it's all about willingness, like the willingness to go get a job like you're doing, the willingness to do the classes, the willingness to be a great father, you know, the stuff that you're doing right now, you wake up every day and there's a willingness that you have now to do that. And as long as you keep that, you know, I don't think that you um, will fail because it's all about willingness. Now, the other things that people say going to meetings and being around other people, it seems like you have a good support system. I don't hang out with junkies anymore. I don't date strippers and crack whores. Like, I don't hang out with those people. I'm married and I have a family now, so my direction is different now. And for me, I have God in my life, which is a huge, huge factor for me. And I find, like, when people might not have that, it might be a little different. But, but whatever, my point is, is you're another great example of finding yourself and really achieving greatness deep inside you and, and having the willingness to change your life and uh, change your people, you know what I mean? Because now you're hanging out with guys that are, you know, making their life a lot more positive and living life on life's terms, you know, that's pretty amazing in my eyes. You know, I got to tell you a story like you, man, like, funny, I saw you, like, all ate up at the Daytona, you know, event last year, I do believe, because I checked my messages where we talked back and forth, and I was asking if you were doing all right, and uh, I just reached out because I knew you weren't 
doing all right. You know what I mean? Like not arm wrestling wise, absolutely. Life wise, you know. And uh, I was like, you know, just seeing you grow now, man, and seeing the changes, it's just. I gotta say, like, it really, it's really inspiring to me, and I know it helps other people out there that are struggling. But you're a really great example of hope and and uh, doing things, um, and it's, I think that's a great, a great compliment for yourself because. You know, that's life-changing. I, I remember seeing you getting beat by people you shouldn't have got beat by in the evening and going to live in the woods and then um, get your shit together and start killing everybody. You know, the last tournament you pulled in, um, you know, I'm glad I didn't get to pull you because I would have been disappointed with the outcome, but you were going through, like, guys that normally, you know what I mean? So it was great to see, and, and, and that's just... Uh, one little, you know, great mark. I mean, I'm sure having your daughter and all that stuff is going to be so much better than, you know, just those those arm wrestling events. But using that as an example, it's just really cool to see, like, the progression of your hard work now and seeing you, you know, basically one of the really hottest arm wrestlers in Florida right now, you know, arm wrestling. It's, it's what a year can really make, you know what I mean? Like, would you think that you would be in the position you were in now when you were kind of homeless during the hurricane last year? Did you think? Absolutely not. I didn't think I would be even close. I didn't think I'd be as big, as strong as I am. I didn't think I'd be clean. So what, what gave you hope? What gave you hope, do you think? Like, what, what was there a moment where you're sitting in the woods, you know, wherever you were, just, like, was there a kind of, like, a moment? Is that when you just finally said... Like, I got to get something going on. Is that when you went to the Salvation Army and things started to really change for you? Um, kind of. I mean, it was, I mean, when I lost, when I lost my, uh, when I lost my daughter 4th of July weekend due to my, my ex-wife not, not answering the phone because she wanted to party, um, I didn't have a cell phone, um, you know, lost both my vehicles. Um, I actually, um, we haven't really touched base on this, but April 25th last year, um, I walked into the house and, and caught her cheating on me. And, uh, you know, I, I got in a fight with a dude, beat him up pretty bad. And, uh, you know, I've, I've, the cops got called. I went and jumped in my car and I, I kind of, I, uh, I said, this is where my life's going to end. And I, uh, I was all high on Valium and, you know, mask and pills and whatever. And I, I jumped behind the wheel of my car and I drove it into a tree at almost 100 miles an hour. And uh, I unbuckled right before I hit, trying to kill myself. And, uh, you know, I, I walked out of the accident without even a scratch on me. Um, opened up the door and walked out of the car um, and, and, and face planted in the middle of the road, woke up and coastal which is a mental institution a couple days later uh i still after that i went back to using i went right back to her and i went back to using and uh the bills didn't get paid i wasn't working for the first time in, in years but i've always been i've always been really uh um the exact like you're a hard worker and you take care of your own, your business. You ne- you didn't ever put yourself in a situation where your bills weren't paid. It just sounds like that wasn't you. That behavior is not you. You're a hard working country guy. You grew up. You're you know working and, and you had things and you gave it all away because of your addiction. 
Yes, absolutely. That's that's exactly it. I've always been really confident, and I've always had a job. I've always paid my bills. I've never, you know, been an addict. I've always had everything I needed taken care of. You know, I did some jail time back in the day, but since then, you know, I had a daughter, and I was on my grown man grind, you know what I mean? And then just four or five, six short months, I mean, I attempt suicide over a woman. Um, you know, I lose my daughter, you know, to that that I'm homeless and once I seen that she wasn't coming back and she was she was in the needles and stuff by this point um you know I said enough enough and then a guy walked up to me that was identical as me but he was he was actually using needles and, and homeless for he was, he was using for like 12 years but he was homeless for two years right here in town and he kept himself in prison and uh put himself in rehab and uh you know, he's when he walked up to me, he was like 15 or 16 months clean, and uh, you know, he he's just he's identical as me. He's a shorter version, but we're both we're both you know hyper. We're both uh, a month older than me, and uh, he he I pretty much owe my life to him because he's the only person in that two or three month time span that would actually walk up to me and, and even talk to me. You know what I mean? Because I was a pretty scary looking dude. Yeah, and he'll tell you that you did a lot for him. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I know that. I don't even know the dude, but I told him when I saw him in Daytona, or when, when was the last? I saw you, I think it was, I think it was. And all of them. Yeah, but, you know, I saw, he, it was right, right when you were getting your shit together, and I said, hey, man, thanks for, like, looking out for him, because you're doing a great job, and I know it's helping you, you know, because I know the game, right? It, you're always got to give back so you can keep what you have, you know, you have to give it back. Like, you're going to help someone someday. Just even this interview, somebody's going to hear. I mean, you know the struggle, dude. You you take classes, right? I mean, Florida's an, an epidemic of drug. I mean, I don't know what the game's like right now because I've been out of the whole pill trade, you know, for the last four or five years. But, you know, it's crazy. You come here, and I never even heard of a pain pill, you know, from Canada or methamphetamines. You know what I mean? I'm, I know there's there now, but, but, you know, I was so gullible to that stuff. And, you know, coming from like a... You know, and I, I don't believe marijuana is a gateway drug for me, but for other people it can be. But I just always just, you know, thought drugs were like that, you know what I mean? I didn't know they got real hard. And when I started eating pills and shooting up, I mean, I was taking, you know, I was doing needles, and I was like, man, you know, life is so crazy. And But that's because you move somewhere and you do addictive drugs. It's not a good scene in Florida. You could just get them easily they used to have the oxycodone trail down here it's a documentary that these undercover guys did and it just shows people going lining up being sponsored paying for the script eating pill like just crazy crazy stuff yeah and people dying i mean this little town i lived in in south florida almost a kid a day was overdosing because it was so crazy with the oxys and and all this other stuff but you know it's luckily you and I are here today um, speaking on it, you know what I mean? Because I tried to commit my suicide three times in my life growing up. Um, and uh, so that's a, that's, a, that's a real scary place to be because it's a real dark and there's a lot of people out there that are suffering and, and not dealing with depression or relationships and they mask it through doing drugs and stuff. And I got to ask you, man, because it was a big thing for me being a, you know, big, strong guy all the time when I was so messed up on drugs. And I was like, for me, I got down to like 200 pounds and 
look like a friggin', you know, friggin' crack addict. Um, I felt so, I felt like my manhood was gone. I felt like a bitch. Like, I just felt like not a man anymore. I mean, did you feel like that when you're, like, just strung out? Like, how, what was your interpretation of what you were going through then? How did it make you feel? Um, you know, I've, I've always been a, you know, I'm 6'4", and I've always been, since I got out of jail, and even before that, I've always, I've always held myself pretty highly, you know, like, uh, I've always been a pretty big dude, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty strong, um, you know, when I went from 225 pounds down to, like, 185 in four or five months, you know, I looked at myself in the mirror, and I was, I was just complete, uh, complete disgust, I went to get my new license, um, this week, like, four or five days, and I, and they showed me my old ID a year ago, and I just, I looked like the dope man. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> but it's crazy, right, because uh, you, you're living that life, you know what I mean, and we let that right. happen, it's just so crazy, but um, it's great. Let's talk about you. When, you, when you're in it, huh? Go ahead, go ahead, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. When you're in it, go ahead. No, when you're when you're involved up in it, you look at yourself in the mirror and you're just you know you need your your next you need your next fix or whatever you don't even notice it but it, you know us like thank God like it's a miracle we, you, a couple guys can get clean mm-hmm. and uh, you know you look at yourself back in those times and you're like what the fuck was I doing yeah. you know it's just like crazy that you can be so weak and just get into something and almost die so many times like I don't know about you but it, it really affected like who I would like want to be in a relationship with because like now that I'm in a different mindset I would never want to hang out with someone like that you know what I mean no matter how gorgeous or whatever they are if they're into that stuff I'm not like attracted by that anymore you know it's so crazy like before it was I mean I'm married now of course my wife would kill me but what I'm saying is my mindset when I look back at some of these domestic relationships I was in like we're fighting and the police are called and everybody's acting like crazy I don't miss the drama you know what I mean like I don't know how do you feel jails institutions and I mean I've had the cops called on me so many times Craig it's not even <laughs> not even funny and it was never even me it was my ex attacking me or you know calling the cops just to be able to get away to go fuck somebody for, for money and uh, uh, it's, it's crazy I wish I wish a lot more people that have gotten clean would share their story and wouldn't be scared to, to hold it back because everybody that I meet and that's close to me family, friends arm wrestling buddies everybody knows my story mm-hmm. I'm not scared to tell anybody mm-hmm. If people like us don't speak up, then the other people that are struggling with addiction aren't, you know, they're not going to get clean. I talk to, you know, a couple arm wrestlers on a weekly, monthly basis trying to, you know, help them through their addiction because when I shared my story, people started contacting me. How'd you do it? How do you feel? What's going on in your life? You know? Awesome. And it's, so it's awesome. helping other people for real. It's awesome. And that helps you. It's so amazing. Like, you know, the same thing is like I have people sometimes reach out to me or, and it's nice to um, be able to help people. I mean, it's just uh, yeah. it's a good feeling because, uh, you know, sometimes you're so lost. So, you know, that's the reason why I wanted to have you on, you know, and talk about basically addiction and, and talk about, you know, like the struggles you've been through because, you know, I find a lot of times when people don't struggle, they don't really appreciate the things they have or they can take things for granted when... You know, life was easy, and my problem was I would clean up well. I would lose everything, 
and then I'd meet a new girl, and I'd get a new whatever, train new clients, get a new job somewhere at a gym, and then, you know I mean, I'd be right back on my feet again, and I never was hammered to the ground. Even when I went to prison when I was 18 for three years, I got out, I thought I was going to be a gangster, you know what I mean? Like, it just didn't make me, like, <laughs> yeah. it didn't make me want to be, like, straight and narrow, and I didn't find Jesus in jail, you know what I mean? Like, I just, it just made me, like, more stupid and make stupider mistakes so but you know I find now it's like a whole different line of thinking you know it's like you know especially now when you have kids like that's got to be a great motivation to have time I see the pictures you post uh, with your daughter and stuff I mean people I mean I adopted three kids from a lady that's you know an addict and I finally she's in a sober living now and you know I pray that she gets sober but um, the thing is, is uh, it's got to be so motivating for you to, to see um, the relationship that you'll have with your daughter again. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that, that's, that was the number one thing for me. You know, after, I, after uh, we lost her in July, I didn't even start my case plan until, um, you know, the first week of October because that was, you know, I was clean and sober for like two or three weeks, had a job, had a place to live. Um, you know, I started, I started feeling good about myself again, so I, I contacted the right people, started my case plan, and, uh, the biggest thing is changing people, places, and things. A lot of these guys that are, guys and women that are addicts, like, they're, they're so far gone that they can't, they don't have any of their bridges left to be able to go be with somebody that's clean and sober, and then they don't want to go to a halfway house because they're losing all their stuff that they have, or their addiction's too bad, but... If you're one of those guys listening that I talk to, you know, here and there, it's it's better on this side, boys, for real. Um, you know, it's just in a month, I mean, your life will change completely. I mean, just to wake up every day, have money in your pocket, look around, see the good people you have around you. you got to get away from those people that are bringing you down, first off, and uh, then everything else comes comes back now for the last, you know, I've been clean six, five and a half months. Um in the last uh, the last two months, I get visits with my daughter uh, every week, and now like we're doing away with the supervised visits. Um, I'm going to be getting a car shortly. Um, you know, my family um, down in Port Charlotte that has custody of her, they come and pick me up now. Um, you know, they want me to come stay nights down there and, and do dinners all the time, and they just everything finally like I don't have one bridge that I burnt that's not repaired now. You know, in six months, so. And that's that's because you're doing the work, and uh, you know it's funny you talk about. And when I used to speak out at detoxes, every I used to go Tuesdays um, and Thursdays, I used to, twice a week for like a year and a half. I would go share my story with people, and uh, I um, I remember people like when they're especially detox, like they're like a day clean. Some of them are not even clean, you know, because they just got put in. But and some of them get three or four or five, seven days or whatever. Um, but it was always the people that I knew would never like make it were always the people who would go, yeah, man, I need to get my job back. I need to get my family back. I, you know, I can't do this because, you know, I got a dog. Um, I need a new bicycle. And I always say, like, if you're thinking that you need all this stuff before your recovery, you're never going to be successful because you kind of sit it there where when you're talking to people and they're telling you, oh, I can't go to a sober living because I'll lose all my stuff. You know, you're not losing it, you're giving it away for number one, and also you're going to give it all away anyway if you keep doing what you're doing, being actively in addiction. So I 
find until people realize that you have to give up everything to have everything. It's the biggest thing, you know. That's 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 a, that's a very good point. Everything you just said is, is right on the money. I mean, that's, you know, like you, you you have to be selfish with your recovery. Your yep. your recovery comes first. Yep. A lot of people relapse. You know, get clean, relapse, get clean, relapse, get clean. Thank God I was, you know, I'm very blessed, and it's a miracle that I was only involved in drugs mm-hmm. for a little while because I mean, and you got away from the I, with my addictive personality. I there's no telling what I could have done. I probably could have killed somebody. I tried suicide. So yeah, you don't want to know, and you don't have to go. And you know, you're doing what you need to be doing, and I never to go back into that life again. You know. Right. You know, you've had some second chances. I mean, let's let's go back, you know, when you were younger, um, you know, before I know you wrote a post a couple years ago talking about um, making poor choices and, and going to prison. I mean, what was that like for you and that life-changing experience? Um, that's kind of what, that's what kind of changed me. That, that's what kind of paved me, uh, paved my road to, to be the man I was before I moved down here. Um, when I was 15 or 16, you know, I was a class clown and, you know, standout athlete, but I couldn't play sports because, etc. So I dropped out of high school. Um, you know, got a job at 16 doing stone masonry, did that for two years. And then I was, you know, I lived with a bunch of college students and I was only, you know, 18. Went to a party, um, you know, uh, the girls were, were talking to me and like 10 guys walked up to me and said, you know, uh, oh, you're Adam Barrett, and I'm like, yep, and they're like, well, you gotta leave, and I'm like, no, that ain't gonna happen, this is my graduation party, well, for my school, I wasn't graduating, but it was all my people there, and, uh, they said, all right, well, if you want to fight this dude, and you win, you can stay, if you, uh, if you fight him, and you lose, and you gotta leave, I'm like, all right, so I started taking off, you know, my, my watch, and my hat, and I got jumped by, like, 15 guys, and they beat me pretty bad, um, so when I got out, when they let me up, I'm like, I'm coming right back, motherfuckers, you know what I mean? And so I went to the garage and grabbed a two-by-four, walked back up the driveway, and, and and started knocking people out. And uh, I feel like it was self-defense. I'm not, I don't regret anything that I did. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I went to jail for, you know, two years to begin with, got out, met a girl. She, you know, I was on parole up in Vermont, so... If I wasn't at work, I'd have to be home, no drinking, no drugging, anything, um, you know, and the, they came to check up on me one night, and I was at a party drinking, and uh, I went back and got back out, got back with her, you know, long story short, I ended up going back for, uh, for drinking and stuff, and instead of me doing 90 days, I, did, I chose to wrap up three years, and uh, they, they sent me down to Kentucky, I got my high school diploma, they sent me to Massachusetts, um, you know, and then when I got out, I've, I I completely reinvented myself. I got into cage fighting. I was clean and sober, you know, and then I met this girl that I was, that I was with. And, you know, when we, then we moved down here and it was, it was over. So did you get, you were fighting up north and when you were living in Vermont? Yes. Yes. So what got you started there? Like, just wanted to give it a try? Were you, you an MMA fan? I mean, what, what kind of got that progress going? 
it's funny you ask that, Craig, because I've, I've always been like a like a street fighter. Like, you know, anybody looks at me in a bar or in high school or wherever, like I'll fight anybody on the planet. I still will to this day if it, if it's threatening me or my family. Mm-hmm. But uh, like, I'm not scared of anything. Like, and I never have been. I never will be. So I just figured, you know, I'd never lost a street fight. Never lost a fight in prison. I got out, and they had this new organization up there called uh, um, Extreme Combat. I don't know, Kathy might be listening to this uh, later, yeah, yeah. who I used to fight with. So uh, shout out to all you guys up north. Um, you know, I got into that, and uh, I, I actually I cut from like 230 down to 208 my first fight. Wow. And uh, it was against this Jesse, Jesse Bauman dude. He'll probably be listening later or whatever. But um, yeah, he knocked me out. He knocked me out in 10 seconds. No shit. He, he's a, you know, he's a Marine, ex-Marine or whatever. And he's yeah. just a savage. He's a beast. And <laughs> Um, and from there on out, I've, you know, I, I won, uh, like three or four more, lost to another guy, Darren Hudson, and I won a couple more, I went like seven and two or something. Wow, dude, that's awesome. I won two, I won two title belts along the way, and then I had my daughter. Okay. And then it all stopped. <laughs> hmm. Would you go back to fighting? Would that be something you want to pick up again, or is arm wrestling the real passion here? I've been arm wrestling since since I was like seven, eight years old at a county fair. Bill Finks would come and put on a um, he would come and put on a tournament at Loyal County Field Days, and then he'd have one down by his house, Addison County Field Days. And Bill Finks is really one of my idols. He's pretty much uh, one of the guys that got me to stick with this sport, and uh, I'm I'm not going anywhere. This is my passion, you know. So now you're focused. Your your life's you know heading in the right direction. Um, what are some goals you have now? I mean, you got December 10th coming up. You got Jerome left hand belt, not even your dominant arm, but you're pulling, cutting weight right now. I mean, how's that going? Um, yeah, I just uh, I just left Wendy's. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Uh, I, 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 I got 14 pounds to lose. Um, That's what. What is that like? One day of hard labor out there in the friggin' heat. Yeah, no, I can I can cut the fourteen, and uh, I'll probably start cutting like uh, day this week, and I can get out there and do push ups and shadow box and whatever, and I can lose you know anywhere from eight to eight to ten pounds in a couple hours. Okay, just the water weight. So you're weighing in. I'm not worried about cutting the weight. I'm worried about. Well, I I would like to I would like to get to early weigh ins, mm-hmm. so I can rehydrate and be back up to two thirty five. Yep. I got to be 220, but you know, I'm, I I got my license, but I don't have a vehicle, and then you know, funds aren't really where they where I want them to be right now because I just paid off my license, and uh, I don't know if I'm going to be able to get to the early weigh-ins. Um, what time is it have, Friday? I have to work Friday. Um, no, I I'll, I'll have next Friday off, and there's seven to nine, but I don't have a place to stay when I get up there because I'm yeah, not going to be able to afford a hotel. You have a place to stay, You have a place to stay. You have a place to stay. I just got to get you here. That's all. We'll figure that out when we get off the phone here. We'll figure it out. I my my everybody's out of town this whole week. Um, I got a whole Wait. house to myself. I got a whole room to you know. So you're more than welcome to come here. But yeah, let's chit chat about that afterwards, and we'll figure that out so you can rehydrate and have a place to chill. Because um, oh. I want the best version of Adam Barrup on May 26, brother. <laughs> so. Yes, sir. So anyway. Hey, dude, it's going to be awesome. I know, I can't wait. And it's good to see the progression because I, I like that. It just motivates me. I don't know what it is. Like, a lot of people are like, like, like I hear people already like, well, i got to cut weight now because I'm 
I'm playing that zig and zag and away from Adam, but I like to hit that head on and and um I don't know, it motivates me to train hard, I guess. I don't know, it's weird, but but um yeah, it's just good to to have stiff good competition and I know where you're at right now it's great because you're like healthy or you know you're not training but you're training i mean you're working i mean that's <laughs> you know i could train five times a day and not probably get that type of workout in i know hard labor that's uh seems to be uh a good basis you know and that's the crazy thing about i'm fascinated by genetics you know because <laughs> you kind of fit into a few other guys especially locally jeremy pappy's a guy that you know pulls once a week maybe and then hunting season comes and he disappears and he doesn't train and he weighs 155 but when you shut your eyes and you're yanking on his arm it feels like a different you know what i mean it doesn't feel like a 155 pounder and uh he doesn't train and then when we were talking um at the last event you were saying you really don't train and practice and uh um you know what you do is for work i mean grabbing big logs and holding a chainsaw you were telling me about things that you do with that i mean that's pretty impressive to be able to um people out there listening never picked up a chainsaw before pick it up and do a rising type of motion or uh any kind of like you know wrist curl with it you know it's it's definitely difficult so um and you do that for hours upon hours in the heat if it's a different type of animal so um you know that's the difference between when people are like kind of always going you know because that's the that's the question right in arm wrestling is because arm wrestling hasn't been around long enough that we can have a database of research of what really works. Me, personally, you're a great example of it. Six foot four, big hand, long lever, lean muscular, um, hard labor worker, strong hand. So, like, mimicking that into the gym, you know, is it? can you do that? I don't know. I don't think so. I think that's just one of those things where it's genetics along with, you know, because if you started training like three times a week or something and practicing like twice a month, like just imagine how much more that would like just increase your, you know, which I know that's what your goals are, but it's just crazy. Um, like the the science behind genetics, how, you know, everybody's better or, you know, like Jerome, a guy you're pulling. He's another natural, big hand, strong guy, tree worker, you know what I mean? Like, doesn't really lift weights, you know, might arm wrestle a little more than you, but do you think that since you've been arm wrestling since you were eight, you just pick up a style and you just know what you're doing? Like, is that, like, when you're on the table, is that basically what you're thinking? I'm just going to dive right into that deep hook and drag I don't really <laughs> see. That's where that's different than a lot of guys. A lot of guys will train for a top row or mm-hmm. for a hook or whatever. But that's just with how big my hands are and how you know long my arms are and my height and stuff. I can use like I don't. A lot of guys can't really top roll me because by the time the ref says go, I'm already my my wrist is already uh, you know what I mean turned in enough and I'm I'm quick. I'm I'm waiting for that hit. I'm waiting for that hit. I'm I'm an animal with it. You know I'm. I'm I'm grinding. I'm, I'm I'm listening. I'm every you're, when you're on the table. I like losing. <laughs> yeah, but when you're on the table, are you like aggressive feeling? Like, do you feel like is it or is it right when to go? Like, how do you? What's your mindset as you're getting ready in a match? Um, 
pretty um I, I tense up pretty good but uh yeah i mean it well you don't seem to waste energy like a lot of guys into the hook. it seems like you're like a calmer puller like you're fast and aggressive but it's like at the time you need to be like you're not yelling and screaming right. and smacking the table and you know what i'm saying like even when you win it's like nonchalant like yeah baby that's what's supposed to happen <laughs> you know what i mean like it's like and i like that i like that because when people like cheer too much and i i get excited a little bit because i'm just excited i'm thinking man i shouldn't be cheering so much because what am i surprised i won like i should just go yeah man you knew that was happening you know like uh like uh, Nick Diaz said, you know, I'm not surprised, motherfuckers. You know what I mean? Like, so, but um, yeah, I'm not. I'm not really one for all the showboat, and like, I'm not trying to slap the table. Like, I have the utmost respect for this sport, and guys like Ron Bass and, yeah, and John Brzezink and you know, uh, Bill Sinks, Badger Drews. Like, guy, like I, I respect you know the old school pullers, and that's who I try to. You know what I mean? Uh, duplicate. Yeah, yeah. After, I guess you could say, like, I want guys to respect me, and if someone beats me, dude, I'm not trying to have someone all up in my face and on yeah. and scream and, like, they just beat. Especially like, with your background, that would be a mistake for, like, 99% of the pullers out there. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, yeah, I, uh. Arm wrestling, guys, like, this, like, we take it to the street, it might be a different game, you know what I mean? So. But right. I, I feel you, and I think that's good that you have that respect factor, too. I really I really admire those types of people. Like, you know, you see UFC. I'm a big, huge UFC fan. I love, I mean, that just motivates me. I never, you know, I did a little bit of jiu-jitsu for a couple of years, but never been that guy, you know, that got in a bunch of street fights, and, you know, I got in a few fights. But I just admire um, the athleticism, the training, the mindset, and, you know, you put all that cage is locked in, and you, it's just you and that guy. Both might be petrified, but the beast is coming, you know what I mean? Someone's going to be knocked out, choked out, or submitted, or maybe not, but it's going to be a war when that cage door is shut, and I kind of just admire, like, that mindset of people, and also, you know, they're humble, and they're like, yeah, you know, they're like, they're not out trying to smack everybody else around when they could, it's just that humbleness, and that kind of breed of a champion, you know what I mean, that mindset of a champion that... You know, you don't need to prove that you're a badass because you are a badass, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's right. what I like, you know, so. So, um, after Jerome, you take that belt, and then you say you're coming after my belt, of course, and then what's the plan? Are you, like, just trying to, like, um, get bigger and bigger, no back to 220? I mean, if you win this belt, I mean, how are you going to defend it? Are you going to want to cut back down? Have you thought about that stuff? Um, yeah, I mean, if if I can... I mean, I know there's not big money in arm wrestling, obviously. Let's get real with ourselves right at this point, you know. Maybe in the future there might be some something. But, uh, yeah, I plan on, you know, we'll see what happens with, with Jerome. I got a lot of respect for him. He's just like me, kind of. Like, you know, real calm, collective, big hands, you know. He's, he's a rare breed of polar. And uh, he doesn't get enough respect and doesn't, I don't even think he's ranked on the top 20, which he should be both hands. I mean, I, he doesn't he doesn't ever lose. Um I plan on pulling him, pulling the tournament. Um, you know, you're for uh, May 26th in that tournament. I plan on pulling St. Dan's tournament. Um, I really like, a lot of guys are trying to get me to go up to um, USAF Nationals, I think it is, in Indiana. Yeah. Um, the thing about that is... I, I'd really like to go there and qualify for Worlds. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. That's the opportunity. I just, I want to get everything out of the way this year. I want to, you know, I'm ready to go all the way this year, so... Good for you. 
good, man. And as long as I don't run into Berzink or Bath or Barboza or one of those top four guys, like I think I got a pretty good chance against anybody right now. Yeah. So are you going to start training, like, a little bit more? Are you just going to continue on doing what you're doing because it seems to be working for you? Yeah, I've, uh, you know, I got I got a 50-pound dumbbell at home that I, that I... Curl a thousand times? Hey, I'm doing push. Yeah, I'm doing, exactly. I mean, I don't, I, I really don't think it matters the weight. I like to do more slow, static holds. Um, when I do pull-ups, I like to do, like, a set of 10 and keep my up there for, you know, 30 seconds. And, I'm, you know, I'm like a block of concrete right now. So, I just, you know, static holds and... You know, I, I got to eat better, obviously. I got to hit the gym a little bit. You're 30, dude. You can get away with it now. Enjoy yourself. Once you creep up in the 40 zone, it'll be a different story. <laughs> yeah, I'll be 30. I'll be 30 here in a couple months. Yeah, you're still a baby. You can still you can still eat Wendy's and uh, and uh, and you know work your ass off all day. And you know, as long as you're hydrated, you'll you'll be fine. So that's just the. Hey, that's the good thing about arm wrestling too. I mean, you don't even hit your peak until I don't think until you're 40. I totally agree, man. I totally agree. Maybe 45. Look at look at all the best. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Oh, North America, they're all yeah. free. Yeah, as long as you stay injury free, you know, I think, um, and you, you know, of course, you know, the better you eat and the smarter you take care of yourself, of course, you know, you can only get away with genetics for so many, you know, but still, the facts of the matter are is, um, you know, when you get to that level, your mindset's going to be different. I'm sure it's changing every time. Right. Now you're thinking about training and, you know what I mean? It's like a progression. So I think, uh, you know, with um, that being said, I just think that it's just all, you know, a good future for you. And uh, I see big things happening for you, man. It's great to see you changing your life, man. And uh, I'm really glad you came on, man. I really appreciate you taking the time out. I know you're busy today getting your, you know, things together and, and stuff. And uh, just really enjoy um, seeing your... Uh, your progression, man, it's super motivating for a guy like me, and I know it motivates a lot of people out there, and I know a lot of people are pulling for you, Adam, so uh, I just want to thank you, man, for uh, taking the time out and being on the Super Lair Report, brother. Yeah, thank you, Craig. I mean, I I, I really appreciate you uh, you having me on. I mean, I know you just started this, uh, this little talk show and whatnot, but to, for me to be on here, one of your first guys, I mean, that's, I'm really thankful for that. I mean, guys like me don't really get opportunities like this and be able to share their story for people to hear. Um, you're an inspiration for a lot of people, too. I mean, you're out there, you're killing, you're killing the weights every day. You're win, lose, draw, break an arm, whatever. You're right back to the table. You don't, you don't let it get you down. Um, we have kind of the same story, um, you know, for other people out there that have our story, you know, get your get your head straight and uh, get away from the people you're around, get away from the drugs you're around, and, uh, you know, come pull, be the best you can be, and, uh, you know, I appreciate you having me on, man. Hey, man, it's been an honor, brother. Well, it was great having Adam on the show, and, uh, man, what a testimonial, great story. And also, the first time doing the interview in the Garage of Pain on a combat arm sports arm wrestling table. Yes, that's right. If you're looking for good quality, American-made, craftsmanship arm wrestling table, your own personal design, get a hold of Brady Ellis or go to www.combatarmsports.com. That's combatarmsports.com. Tell them the disciple sent you, 
And I know Brady will hook you up with one of the best tables. I got a training table. I got a arm wrestling table. I use it daily. Best quality. I put my training table through the ringer. Got a few scratches on it, but it's just amazing craftsmanship and just the just, just sturdy. It's just so sturdy. So check it out. Brady Ellis, CombatArmSports.com. And we'll see you next time.